Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. Of all the men in history who've been rich, one of the most amazing stories is that of John D. Rockefeller. Born into a poor family in 1839, John was the second of six children. His father left home when John was a boy, and the family moved repeatedly. John attended high school but never went to university. In order to help support his mother and siblings, he began work at the age of 16 as an assistant bookkeeper, earning a meager 50 U.S. cents a day. Yet through shrewd business deals and hard work, John quickly improved his financial position. At age 19, he started a produce business. At age 25, he and his partners built an oil refinery. Soon, John D. Rockefeller was a millionaire. By the age of 50, he became the first known billionaire in modern history. But then... At age 53, at the height of his success and power, John Rockefeller became ill. His entire body was racked with pain, and he lost all the hair on his head. In complete agony, the world's only billionaire could buy anything he wanted, but he could only digest milk and crackers. An associate wrote, he could not sleep, would not smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him. His personal, highly skilled physicians predicted he would die within a year. All the money in the world couldn't save John Rockefeller. But then one morning, Rockefeller awoke from a dream. He could barely recall the dream, but it had something to do with not being able to take any of his wealth with him into the next world. The man who controlled a business empire suddenly realized he was not in control of his own life. He was left with a choice, leave all his money and die, or do something now to leave a legacy of good deeds that would impact the world for generations. John D. Rockefeller called his attorneys, accountants, and managers and announced that he wanted to channel his wealth to hospitals, research, and mission work. He established several charitable foundations and started pouring millions of dollars into charitable causes. And with that one decision, John Rockefeller went from simply being rich to being good at being rich. Instead of simply storing up money in a bank, John Rockefeller began building a legacy of good deeds that would outlast his life on earth. He founded the University of Chicago and gave $80 million to turn it into a world-class school. He founded Rockefeller University, which has been responsible for significant achievements in the advancement of modern medicine. He supported medical research that developed a vaccine against yellow fever and eradicated hookworm. And he gave over $555 million to support education, public health, science, and the arts. John D. Rockefeller went from rags to riches and became the first billionaire in modern history. Yet the most amazing fact about his life is his transformation from being rich to being good at being rich. He spent the first half of his adult life amassing wealth and the second half of his life amassing a legacy of good deeds that lives on to this day. And perhaps most amazing of all, John Rockefeller's fantastic generosity not only touched millions of people, but it also had an amazing effect 
on him personally as well. You see, the moment he began to give back a portion of all that he'd earned, his health began to improve. The doctors thought he wouldn't live a year, but he ended up living another 45 years until he was age 98. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the true story of John Rockefeller. Many men in history have succeeded in business and have become fabulously wealthy, but not many have built a legacy that lives on generations after they die. And no matter how rich or poor you are in this life, there's something more important, something more lasting we must all aim for. We must all aim to become rich in good deeds so we can build a firm foundation for the life to come. That's the truth we're going to discover in our sermon today entitled, Be Rich in Good Deeds. We're going to learn that riches will perish, but your good deeds will live on after you. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray together. Almighty Father, we thank you for this moment in your presence. Teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We submit to you now. We bind every work of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and minds and to give us the grace to obey you that we might become rich in good deeds. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment. Join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Truth for Today. It's great to have you with me today as we celebrate the third week of our sermon series, How to Be Good at Being Rich. For the last few weeks, we've been studying what the Bible says about being rich and being good at being rich. In our first week, we learned that we're all richer than we think. God has blessed us, and when we focus on what we have rather than what we don't have, will become grateful and content. Then last week we learned about the trouble with money. The Bible tells us that money is deceitful, uncertain, and momentary. So in order not to be fooled by money, we all have to make sure that money doesn't control us. Being good at being rich is not about what you do with your money, but what your money does to you. To be good at being rich, you have to use your money and not allow money to use you. And that brings us to today's message titled, Be Rich in Good Deeds. By God's grace, we're going to gain more wisdom on how to manage money so we can be good at being rich. Our scripture text for this sermon series is taken from 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. I invite you to read these powerful words out loud together with me. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. By God's grace, we've unpacked a lot of truth so far from these few verses. But hidden in the middle of this powerful passage is the next step in our journey to being good at being rich. Right in the middle of this passage, God gives us the key steps we can all take today to be truly rich. Do good, 
be rich in good deeds, give generously, and be willing to share. Now, these simple steps may come as a surprise to you. When we think of being rich, we most often think of the amount in the bank or the value of our possessions. But God has a different perspective. He teaches us that to be good at being rich, you have to focus on the wealth of your values, not on the value of your wealth. And that's why God commands us all to be rich in good deeds. So let's take some time today to break down this passage and discover three ways good deeds make you rich. And here's your first truth. Good deeds bring fulfillment to my life. Our fulfillment in life only comes when we find and follow God's purposes and plans for our lives. It's not money or possessions that bring fulfillment to life because things alone can never bring you true satisfaction. The fact is you were not created for money. You were created for a bigger purpose in life and you'll only find fulfillment and satisfaction when you fulfill your God-given purpose in life. That's what God says about you in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So just lift up your hand and say after me, I was created for good deeds. You see, what truly matters is not the size of your bank account, but the fulfillment of your purpose. If you have full pockets but an empty heart, you'll never have peace and satisfaction. You may be rich in worldly goods, but you'll be poor in spirit. That's why in Luke 12, 15, Jesus said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So your life is not about money or material goods. Your life is about fulfilling God's purpose. The truth of Jesus' words can be seen in the story of two very different lives. Let me first tell you about a man named Howard Hughes. At one time, Howard Hughes was one of the richest men in the world, worth $2.5 billion. He owned a private fleet of jets, hotels, and casinos. All he ever really wanted in life was more. He wanted more money, so he built a billion-dollar business empire. He wanted more fame, so he paid to become a filmmaker and star. He wanted more thrills, so he designed, built, and piloted the fastest aircraft in the world. He wanted more power, so he secretly dealt political favors so skillfully that two U.S. presidents became his pawns. All he ever wanted was more. He was convinced that more would bring him true satisfaction. Unfortunately, history shows otherwise. Howard Hughes spent the last 15 years of his life a drug addict, too weak in the end to even administer the hard drugs to himself. His six foot four frame had shrunk to six one and he weighed only 41 kilos. At the end of his life, he was emaciated with a sunken chest. His fingernails were in grotesque, inches long corkscrews. His teeth were rotting and black. He had tumors inside and innumerable needle marks from his drug addiction on the outside. At his funeral, not one single relative or friend mourned his death. Howard Hughes, the richest man in the world, lived in fear and filth because he was so afraid of people trying to poison him and kill him to take away his money. Now, let me tell you about another life, the life of a woman named Mother Teresa. 
Mother Teresa had nothing in terms of material wealth. She became a Catholic nun and devoted her life to helping the poor. She took a vow of poverty and gave up ever owning anything personally. Yet in spite of her personal poverty, her life was rich in good deeds. In 1950, Mother Teresa launched the Missionaries of Charity designed to help reach the poorest of the poor. Through her work, hundreds of centers were opened around the world to take care of the poor and needy. She opened hospices for the dying. She ran orphan homes for needy children. She launched schools and medical centers and homes for lepers. She started mobile clinics, soup kitchens, and counseling centers. And always, everything was given freely. Her charitable work touched millions of lives around the world. In recognition of her service to humanity, Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize, along with numerous other awards. At her death, she was given a state funeral by the government of India. Thousands came to pay their respects from all over the world to a woman who touched her generation. Howard Hughes, the billionaire, and Mother Teresa, the nun with no money. There couldn't be two more different people in the world. One was rich in the things of this world. The other was rich in spirit. One had a luxurious lifestyle, but no peace. The other had no possessions, yet she lived in peace. So when we compare these two lives, who was the one that was truly rich? The man who had money, but no friends at his death? or the woman who had no money but was loved all over the world? Who was truly rich? The man who could buy anything he wanted except for happiness? Or the woman who couldn't buy anything but had everything she needed? Who was truly rich? The man who lived only for himself? Or the woman who gave her life in service to God and others? The fact is you can't be truly rich if your riches are only here on this earth. All we have in this life will fade away and perish, but all we store up in eternity will never be taken from us. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. There's more to life than this life. We have to view being rich through the lens of eternity because there's more to life than this life. See, being rich is not about gathering goods on the earth. It's about storing up treasures in heaven. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 33 to 34, sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the fact is this, wealth fades away but good deeds endure forever. That's why Proverbs 12, 7 tells us, good people are remembered long after they're gone. The people I remember in my life are not the ones who had the most money, but the ones who did the most good. The people I honor in life are not the ones who gave me the best gifts, but the ones who gave me the most love. Edith Wickert certainly wasn't famous. She was a stay-at-home mother of four. She never built a company or made millions of dollars, but she taught me Sunday school when I was a teenager. And during that time, I gave my life to Christ. Pastor Daryl Emerson didn't write a book or preach to thousands, but the presence of God in his life touched me and he baptized me. Kay Colville was a bookseller, the wife of an army officer. 
but she lived for God and he spoke to her. When I was 17 years old, she gave me 300 US dollars to pay for my first semester at Bible college. It was her donation that helped me get my start in ministry. Dennis Lindsay taught me at that Bible college and took me on my first missionary journey. And of course, most of all, my parents, they were never rich in money, but they were rich in faith. They introduced me to Jesus. They took me to church and taught me the Bible. They sacrificed to make me who I am today by the grace of God. And the truth is, I stand on the shoulders of hundreds of others who loved Jesus and loved me. His presence in their lives touched my life and made me who I am. They may never have acquired earthly wealth in this world, but they are living on through me. When I preach, they all stand and preach with me. When I pray, they all kneel and pray with me. And one day, we will all stand together in the presence of God and rejoice for what he's done. We will share a rich legacy because we loved God and we served other people. And the people who possess rich legacies are not the ones with credentials, but the ones with compassion. See, friends, there's more to being rich than just amassing money on earth. Being rich is about building eternal wealth. There's more to being rich than success in this life. Being rich is about being significant long after this life is over. When you fill your life with good deeds in service to God and others, you find fulfillment in life. You find lasting purpose and meaning in life when you live to lift others. So let me ask you a question. Will your life on this earth continue to influence others after you've passed? Will your good deeds live on after you? In other words, are you making a difference in this life? Or are you just making a living? And your impact is not something that begins after you die. Your legacy is being formed right now every day as you make choices and live your life. Your legacy is being determined now by the good deeds you do and how you spend your life. But the good news for all of us is your story is still being written. No matter how bad your past has been, you can write a better story. It's never too late to begin to be rich in good deeds. And there's even more good news. God wants you to build a better legacy. God himself is on your side working with you to write a tribute that will bring glory to his name and a smile to your face. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 8 and 16, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I've appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And Jesus tells us plainly, that God gets glory when our lives bear fruit that lasts. God is honored when our life story is rich in good deeds. And that brings us to our second truth today. Good deeds glorify my Father in heaven. See, friends, not only were you created for good deeds, it's also the main way you show forth the glory of God on the earth. You can bring honor to your heavenly Father through the good deeds you do. And Jesus tells us, he himself, the Lord and Christ and Savior, has appointed you to bear lasting fruit. Put your hand on your chest and say, I have an appointment letter from Jesus. That's right. There's an appointment letter with your name on it, signed in the blood, signed by Jesus Christ, the Savior, and the Lord 
Lord of all. It says, I've appointed you to go and bear lasting fruit. He's appointed you to be rich in good deeds. You don't have to be rich or famous in this world to glorify God and be rich in good deeds. You don't have to be skillful or talented or educated. Your ability to glorify God and be rich in good deeds is your divine destiny as a child of God. He's appointed you to be rich in good deeds. He's appointed you to bring him glory. He's appointed you to touch others and change this world. That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a woman in the USA named Brenda Walker. In April of 2019, Brenda Walker was on her way home after a long, hard day at work. She was tired and just wanted to relax. But her husband had called her on her mobile and asked her to stop at the supermarket and buy a few items he needed. So in spite of her weariness, Brenda stopped at the supermarket. She was in a hurry to get out and get home so she could relax. So when she got to the till, she didn't take note of the people around her. Her whole focus was on paying for her few items and leaving to go home and relax. But suddenly, Brenda felt God tug at her heart. She instantly knew that the Holy Spirit was telling her to pay for the groceries of the person in the queue behind her. She didn't know why. She didn't know who the person was. And to make matters even more complicated, she didn't have her bank or cash card with her. All she had was a single $20 note. But Brenda Walker trusted God. Okay, God, she said, I'll do it. She asked the cashier to check out the stranger behind her. The total came to $19.99. Brenda handed the cashier her last $20 note, picked up her things, and left the store. But as she got to her car, she felt someone touch her shoulder. Brenda turned around to see an elderly gentleman with a glimmer in his eyes and a life-changing story on his lips. Ma'am, he said, are you the one who just paid for my groceries? Yes, Brenda said. Why did you do it? The man asked. Brenda told him that she'd felt God speak to her that she should pay for his groceries. She did it in obedience to the voice of God. Then the man told her an amazing story. Today is my wedding anniversary, he said. My wife and I would have been married 55 years today, but she died last year. Every anniversary, we always cooked the same dinner and ate it together. Today, the man continued, I just didn't feel like I could make it any longer without her. She was the love of my life, and I'm lonely. So I decided to come to the supermarket and buy what I needed to cook our anniversary dinner. Then after I ate it, I planned to take a gun and end my life. The man started to weep, but now I won't end my life, the man said, your kindness proved to me that God really does care. You saved my life. Brenda Walker is not a pastor or a prophetess. She's not a rich person or someone important in society. She's a simple working woman who's living for something more than the things of this world. She's living to bring glory to God through good deeds. And her life is making a difference. Just like Brenda Walker, you too can be used by God to bring him glory and bear lasting fruit. You can make a difference when you become rich in good deeds. 
God has called all of us to be rich in good deeds. And when you're rich in good deeds, you become significant. The people who are significant in our lives are not the ones with the credentials, but the ones with the compassion. You don't need to be an expert. You need to be empathetic. You don't need your own strength to make a difference. You need to flow in God's supernatural. And the great news is that every one of us can flow in the supernatural. That's what God's word says in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And I'm here to declare to you, God has given each of you a spiritual gift. Use that gift to bless others. Go beyond your own ability. Tap into the supernatural power of God and change lives all around you. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5:16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. The whole world will see him. The whole world will know him. The whole world will praise him because your good deeds point to his glory. Your good deeds are a light that shines in this dark world. We are commanded to do good deeds. For our text in 1 Timothy 6 says, command them, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. You are commanded to do good deeds. That's why the apostle James teaches us in James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. And here's the difficult truth we have to embrace today. If you're not doing good deeds, I question your faith. If you're not serving those who cannot serve you back, I doubt if you are serious with Jesus. If you're not doing good deeds for others who cannot repay you, you need to question your commitment to Christ. For James 2, 14 to 19 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. And faith, true faith, must produce good deeds or it's not genuine. But when your faith does produce good deeds, you become truly rich because those faith-inspired good deeds will last forever. And that's our third truth today. Good deeds last forever. The day is coming when all our good deeds will be rewarded for eternity. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. In fact, the Bible promises great rewards for those who do good deeds. Ephesians 6, 8 says, Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. And on that day, there will be great joy in heaven. On that day, we will rejoice with our Savior. The good deeds we've done will be stored up and brought out, and we will celebrate together. Once there was a husband and wife who lived a rich and luxurious life here on earth. It so happened that they both died at the same time and went to heaven, carrying along huge suitcases filled with their most valuable possessions on earth. As the couple approached the gate of heaven, they were stopped at the gate by St. Peter. St. Peter asked the couple what they were bringing into heaven. So they opened up their suitcases and they showed him gold and silver and jewels and fine dresses and money. <laughs> 
But to their surprise, St. Peter told them plainly, they were not allowed to bring any of those things into heaven. Heaven is a pure and perfect place, so nothing from earth could enter. So St. Peter pointed to a very huge mountain of luxury items from earth that other people had brought to heaven's gates. And he told the couple, you have to go with all your property and all your cash and throw it on that mountain, for it can never enter heaven. They had to throw away everything before they could enter. Reluctantly, they carried their luggage and turned to take it to that rubbish dump to throw away all their earthly goods so they could enter heaven. But as they did, another couple approached the gates of heaven. This new couple had nothing in their hands. They held no suitcases, no gold, no jewels. But as the second couple approached, the gates of heaven swung wide open. Suddenly, thousands and thousands of saints came from inside heaven. They were singing and dancing. They were rejoicing. The sound was angelic. It was beautiful. And they came out to welcome this couple. And the first couple, the rich couple, turned and asked St. Peter, what's happening? Then St. Peter replied, this couple, the second couple, they served as missionaries in the villages. They never earned much money. They never accumulated many worldly goods. But they won souls to Christ and they touched thousands of lives. They were never rich on earth, but they were rich in good deeds. And the true treasures they stored up in heaven are now waiting to celebrate with them forever. That's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 25, 21, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the amazing thing is, your good deeds that last forever don't have to be great accomplishments or big projects. Good deeds are simple acts of kindness, words of encouragement, blessings to the poor, everyday help to others. That's the kind of good deeds that will make you rich. That's what the good deeds Jesus is looking for from your life. For Matthew 25, 34 and 36 and 40 says this, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And understand that the good deeds you must do for God to make you rich are not big accomplishments or projects, but they're serving others as if those people were Jesus in disguise. How much different would our lives be if we looked for Jesus every day in the ordinary people around us? How much closer would we be to Jesus if we treated others as if they were Jesus in disguise? How much more joyful, more peaceful, more blessed, more rich would our lives be if we realized that when we do good deeds to the least of these around us, we do them to Jesus? That's why good deeds make me rich. Good deeds make my life fulfilled. Good deeds bring the Father glory as I bear lasting fruit. Good deeds last forever. And when I realize that, 
I realize I must cultivate good deeds. For when you discover the wealth available in good deeds, then you will be intentional about doing good. You will plan for it. You will consider it. You'll make room in your life for good deeds. You won't be careless or haphazard about doing good deeds. You'll be intentional about doing good deeds. That's the message we find in Philippians 2, 4 to 5. Look out. Everybody say look out. Look out for each other's interests, not just for your own. The attitude you should have is the one that Jesus Christ had. No one here listening or watching today would think you could build earthly riches without a plan to save and invest. No one here would think you could amass wealth in this world without a corresponding action that would help you achieve your aim. So why would you think that you will become rich in good deeds without any plan for good deeds? That's why Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider Think about it. Ponder, meditate. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So today, pause with me. Look out for how you can serve others. Stop. Consider how you can be rich in good deeds. That's my goal. I want to cultivate good deeds. I want to be intentional about doing good and serving others. I want to be rich in good deeds. I confess that wasn't always my prayer. I used to pray, God, make me a millionaire. I meant well. I wanted to be a millionaire so I could help people. I told God if he would give me a million dollars, I would give money to people and do a lot of good for his kingdom. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have money to help people and do good. Who knows? Maybe one day I will be a money millionaire. But that's not my focus any longer. I've changed my mind. I have a new goal. Whether I become a money millionaire or not is up to God. I've decided to concentrate on what's up to me. And that's good deeds. See, I can't control how much money I earn, but I can control how many good deeds I perform. So I've decided I want to be a good deeds millionaire. I want to be rich in good deeds, helping the poor, raising orphans and abandoned children, investing in the lives of others, giving hope and encouragement to the downcast, lifting the lowly, preaching the gospel, serving the saints. And today I invite you to join me. I invite you to join the league of the truly rich. Become a good deeds millionaire. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Give generously and be willing to share. And that's how you can be good at being rich. If you would like to be good at being rich, bow your head and pray with me. Father, I bless each and everyone watching and listening today. I pray you'll stir our hearts, open our eyes, motivate us today by your truth and your grace to get up and serve the poor, to help others, to bring you glory as we bear you fruit in good deeds. Whether we're rich in money or not, make us rich in what truly counts. Make every one of us rich in good deeds so that we can be good at being rich. We thank you and we bless the seed of your word in our hearts today. Let it take root and grow fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.
bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. Yes, we're here.